Hi, Damien Marcus from 100 Not Out here. MP. Yes, Damo. We all know the importance of having a diary, but who wants a boring old day planner? Not me. Enter the journey of me. Ta-da! The incredible eight-month wellness journal designed especially for wellness peeps like you. Yes, Damo, this beautiful eight-month wellness guide is filled with questions, planners, exercises, reflective notes, and more. Endorsed by the Up For A Chat girls and loved the world over, the journey of me is a must-have if you're ready to live your best life for life. To purchase your very own journey of me and receive a free set of inspirational postcards, simply enter the code COUCH at www.wellandnew.com. That's www.w-e-l-l-i-n-e-u-x.com. TheWellnessCouch.com, streaming wellness into your lives. This is Inside the Champion's Mind featuring Dr. Lawrence Tam and Marcus Pierce. Welcome to Inside the Champion's Mind, a show dedicated to helping you overcome mediocrity in the pursuit of being world-class in anything you do. I'm Lawrence Tam, co-founder of The Wellness Couch, and as always, by my side, Champion Mindset co-host, Marcus Pierce. Dr. Lawrence Tam, great to be with you as always, Mr. Man of Sparta. I am Spartan. Uh, <laughs> I feel like you saying are that. incredible. Well, I don't, I'm not, I'm definitely Herculean. Not I'm nuts. gonna start calling you Tor. Tor. Yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna start calling you. Oh, geez, I could come up with Spartacus. Uh, there's so many Hercules. Easy, easy. easy. <laughs> Let's not go overboard here. <laughs> oh, it's pretty incredible effort. Uh, d- depending on uh, who who you're comparing it to, right? So that's that's the key thing. You know, that, we, we we can get on to this topic in a second, but I mean, let's think about that for a second. Really, um, we're talking about Spartan race. Um, because I completed the Spartan race. Uh, unfortunately, the the time of this recording was probably about three four weeks ago. Um, but we haven't talked about it, so we decided to do a whole podcast on that. The challenges that led up to it. There was a whole thing that you know that I'll explain in a second. The challenges that I actually had to go through. Uh, the, the the race itself the the mindset challenges I was thinking of you guys the whole time and uh, but you know let, let's start with you know comparison like the thing is that you know it's amazing isn't it when you think about uh, your goals or your targets or you look at and admire someone right um, you admire them because they have most likely done something that you haven't been able to do yet or have or think that that's so hard right but yeah. other people would look at that and go pretty 12Ks or whatever it is, that's easy, right? So like I met a friend I haven't seen in 20 years. We went to university together um, and, you know, she's running like, she just ran like a hundred kilometer race, right? I'm thinking going, my God, <laughs> this is like, that's like, I only did like 10% of that. Sure. I had obstacles and stuff. There's so different challenges, different experts, but I'm just thinking, wow. Like, so it, isn't it about comparison or isn't it comparing yourself to other people um, is a dangerous game sometimes. And, uh, and so just, you know, I, I don't know where, where I was going with that, but just realize that uh, oftentimes what you think is hard is easy to someone else as well. So uh, just realize that too. And, and to put that. And what you think is easy is really difficult for someone else. Can you tell people for, that don't know what is the Spartan race? Um, and and just explain in terms of the distance, the obstacles, um, and also um, how it came about that you decided to enter. Okay, great. So um, about oh, on my birthday, it was actually on my birthday, uh, the third of May. Uh, on my fortieth birthday, um, I decided to do a race, uh, an obstacle race that I've never I've never done an obstacle race before in my life. I've never ran probably more than like two or three k's in my life okay i'm an exercise but i've never i hate it running if you go back to the one guys going i hate running right so it's one of those things i just serious never done two or three k's like in one go yeah no never 
maybe as a kid, maybe. <laughs> yeah, when you were forced to do it across like cross country or something. Yeah, and cross yeah. country was probably like fifteen hundred meters or something. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's the. Anyways, <laughs> so I've never ran. Like I'm not. A, I hate running. Um, it's just one of those things I never really enjoyed. And so, can you I tell think, me why you hate running? I find it boring. <laughs> it's just fun. It's boring as hell. Uh, it's just one of those exercises that I just like. I just lose interest. I'd rather be yeah. having. having- something changes and something that you know that's uh constantly um yep. that, that, that at a different pace and and uh that i you know have to left to my own devices thinking the whole time of you know just moving my legs and that's all i have to think about. and it's also one exercise like it's just one motion only yeah thing. um but anyway so that's why i said on my 40th birthday uh i i got a friend robbie and i said Rob, hey robbie i know you're listening hey robbie and i said hey let's go do this what do you think and uh and so we did so we put out a commitment to a challenge and we uh, we we did this uh, i think it was a raw challenge it was only six k's but it had a bunch of obstacles was it difficult it was freaking pouring rain like it was bucketing down like it was insane amount of rain um you couldn't even see mud on us because it was raining so hard it washed away by the time we actually finished it didn't really exist did it <laughs> yeah did it exist did it exist that's what people were saying um so anyway so we did it and you know what it wasn't like it was hard but it wasn't like too difficult it was like oh you know what? we can do this so like literally i think almost the next day or probably the next day we go we should do something harder and so something came across the facebook feed and said it was spartan race in october and I went, wow, okay, Spartan race. And then I'm thinking there's two courses. There's a sort of a sprint. They call it sprint, 7K mm. sprint, right? Easy peasy. Yeah, and then there's a 12K super. And I'm thinking sprint. It's because, you know, 6Ks I've done, let's go for seven. No, Robbie says, let's do the super, 12Ks, right? Double the distance of what I've, you know, the longest distance I ever ran. And so basically what this is, is that Spartan race is a 12, it was a 12 kilometer uh, race at ANZ Stadium. So this one was no mud or anything, but basically a lot of stairs. You just imagine a, a, a big uh, football stadium that had all those stairs going up and down. Uh, wow. Yeah, we did all of those, right? So up wow. and down, across, down, and then up again, and across, and down, like going it's through. It's not even 12Ks flat. It's 12Ks incline. Yeah, incline. And the, 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 higher, the second tier levels were hardest. You know, when, the, when you get, you know, and you get to the top levels, they're steep, right? The stairs are mm. steep, not the, not the flat ones in the bottom 100 levels. And um, so anyway, so there's a lot of stairs. There's a lot of like different obstacles. It would be like, um, you know, jumping, you know, climbing through, you know, climbing through barriers, um, um, lifting heavy weights. I think one of the weights I had to carry was like 50 kilos, you know, dead from the ground. 50 kilos? 50 kilos down this ramp and up the ramp. I only weigh 64 kilos, right? So it was just like a dead weight. It was just like, I thought Did I was going to- Did you gonna... practice carrying 50 kilos beforehand? No, no. I thought I was going to die. Like, I, I thought I was going to blow my disc 50 kilos? Again. Yeah, it was not fun. Trust me. Luckily, someone who actually- We'll talk about that in a second. Maybe we'll, we'll, we'll save it for a little bit later. So um, there's be, you know, spear throwing. There was um, there was uh, running up ramps. Uh, what else is there? And then there, then the, So that's obstacles in between. And then at the last 300 meters, they called it the 300, Okay. You know, obviously named after the movie, the 300 meters. And 300 meters, the last 300 meters was, was this massive obstacle race. Like it was, it was like a ninja style. I don't know if you ever seen Ninja Warrior uh, in the States, but it's like a ninja obstacle. Basically, you got to climb upside down, up these ropes, um, you know, on a 45 degree angle, and then climb over these things and climb up. And then there's ropes, got to climb across. And then you got monkey bars, um, you got jumps, you got, um, oh oh, I don't know, uh, oh, slip <laughs> pushes, wall balls, 
uh, all in the last 300 meters. There's probably like 15 obstacles just in the last 300 meters, right? So here's the thing, though, with the Spartan race is that you have, if you miss an obstacle, like so there's balancing beams, for example, like if you trip on a balancing beam, right, even though it's not hard, like, you know, balancing beam is not that hard, but if you not do not do not complete or you choose to skip a any obstacle you have to do 30 burpees okay 30 burpees right. for every time you miss or i would have just done 30 burpees every five minutes oh just... i don't know you can do that like you you, you huh? kill yourself and then plus and then at the 300 you, you, you it's a 10 burpee penalty because just because it's the, you know um just because there's so many obstacles so that's the challenge it was to finish up uh 12ks and uh and through obstacles but the last all the obstacles were you know it was throughout the course but it was mostly near the end all right, I've got a heap of questions. All right, here we go. And they all relate to the metaphors of life that you experienced on the day. Yeah, so this is the fun stuff, right? So This is the fun stuff. And it's probably not on the day, really, because I know a bit more than the listeners at the moment. It's more about leading up to the day. Yeah, so leading up to the day, there's always, so six, we, got, we had six months to prepare, which I did nothing. <laughs> <laughs> in a sense of that was your champion preparation <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's it in a sense that i thought you know i would go for runs and stuff i just, I just stuck with my crossfit training so i did not that i didn't do anything i, I did stuck with my You're crossfit training. Shape. i was in shape and i basically just stepped it up i, I instead of three days a week i went for four and uh, i knew that 12ks was going to be something pretty difficult that because i have never done it on my legs so i tried to step up my training in terms of the running aspect no not necessarily in distance but in terms of the sprint so every time we had a running thing or choice to you know and sometimes crossfit you i think in row or run and i always chose running just to kind of speed up the time try to push mm-hmm. myself a little bit faster um and that's some of the trainings are actually the best sprint training is actually better sometimes than just distance like t- matching a distance is, is fine but it's actually being able to kind of how fast can you go and, and so on and so forth so i did train for that but however i got kind of scared as we got closer and closer to the day and then there's a point it's really weird there's a point where you know, the scare, I think I've talked about this when Dan Selman talks about, you know, you have to commit to something. So we committed to something that, you know, I didn't know I was capable of even doing, right? So you commit to something that's big, you know, beyond your comfort zone. And then the second thing that, that happens is usually fear, right? And then so then you have to develop courage. So I have to develop courage over the last oh, probably three or four months, right? Thinking like, can I do this? Can I do this? And I remember just having chats with Robbie on, on Facebook or just in the phone and like, oh man, we're, we're kind of scared. We're kind of screwed and da da da. But there's a certain point though, I can't remember what, exactly what point, um, where I just go, you know what? This can be done. You know what I mean? And it's almost like it just changed overnight. Where and you're not sure just, what changed it? I'm not sure what changed it. It's almost like, you know what? I, you know what it is? I think it's, it's that, um, it, it's that I'm going to use another experience. I was just in Vegas um, a couple of weeks ago. And one of the things that we did um, you, with Matt Pryor. I'm imagining LT in Vegas. Is everyone else listening to this imagining LT in Vegas? I've hardly gone out at all. I don't know right. whether to imagine um, the hangover or whether to inv- or whether to imagine Las Vegas or yeah. whether to imagine. I was in, not- I was indoors pretty much the whole time except for this one night. And you know Matt Pryor. You know for those of yes, you who have been listening to this, I tried to get a podcast. We interviewed Matt Pryor. I met him for the first time. We actually were in the same conference together. And, uh, you know, with a bunch of us, all of us, we kind of got together and we said, you know what, we got to do this thing, right? This thing, sorry to to change change the story, but this thing was at the real hotel. At the real hotel, it's like a 51-story high building. And there's a zip line from the top of the real hotel to the other real, like another building of the real hotel, which is, I don't know how many floors, maybe say 30 floors. And it's like a zip line from one building to the other. 
Right. My hands are getting sweaty. <laughs> so, and it's like a zipline, not necessarily like a handhold. It's basically sitting in a seat. Not, not a, not a walking uh, bridge. Not no. a full bridge. No, 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 a no. no, no. Like, there's, <laughs> so it's like there's, a, there's literally there's a metal wire going across from one building to the other, and you sit on this contraption, this seat, and your feet are dangling on this, and the only thing holding you back is a seat belt, like a lap belt, not a seat belt, a lap belt. Like it just goes across your lap, okay? Oh Matt Pryor is a pilot, okay? And he goes, my God, that looks like a 1960s, 1970s seatbelt. <laughs> Even him as being a pilot, and I'm sure he's okay with me to share that, he was scared. Like he was scared. It was pretty funny, actually. Um, and this guy does adventure stuff, right? And we're on this thing, and we're ziplining. And you know what? Like we were all pretty scared. And some of my friends, were, you can see their emotions going through. Like they, they can't, they, it's almost like they can't, they're fearful, but they know they just got to go through the motion. Like they're talking, mm. I'm like, oh, this is a bad idea. This is a bad idea. They even say it. They say even out loud. Everybody's kind of functions differently when they're in fear. This is a bad idea. This is what am I doing? What am I doing? But you know that because of peer pressure, because there was like seven of us, is that you're pretty much going to do it. Like there's no backing out now. Do you know what I mean? Like it's, you're, you're already in line. You've already paid the money and you, um, and you have to go through it. We actually go through this nightclub to get there which, which is really weird i think that was more scarier for me just going through nightclubs <laughs> than, than going to this thing but anyway so then so it's like that motion of you know what like you know you're gonna have to fear but it's almost like life is just moving like you the line is moving forward and you know it's gonna happen no matter what it's just gonna happen so you might no as well was going to not do it in yeah other words. exactly you yeah. might as well just accept it and almost ride the way so i attribute it's almost like going down a rapid uh, yeah. on whitewater rap- rapids and pretty much you're just going to have to run, run through the gauntlet. Like there's no stopping. Well, resistance is the enemy, isn't it? The people that resist those type of experiences end up hurting themselves, having a shocking experience, exactly. something happens. Yeah. So that's how I attribute this. Like so the Spartan race was like, you know what? The time is coming. Like it's coming. October 10th, it's coming. And no matter what I say or do, it the date is moving closer each and every single second. And so either I have to get on board and accept that that's going to be, that I'm going to do it, or I'm going to just pull up some lame excuse for not doing it, right? And so yep. that's pretty much what I attribute. It's almost like that you know, real experience is that pretty much it's happening no matter what you say or do, it's going to happen because I'm held accountable by my friend Robbie and the team that we're, we're in, okay? So that's, that, I think that was, that realization in my head, I go, you know what? You can do this. You can. You're going to do it anyways, and it's about finishing. It's not about how fast. The goal is not to get injured, and the goal was to just finish if you can. And so that that was the challenge. And so that's that's how I move forward from there. All right. So you got to a point where you were at ease despite the fear. The fear was there, but you were at ease because, like you said, there was a, an element of almost just vulnerability in a positive sense. Like you know what, it's going to happen. So it's not as if it's not going to happen. Um, tell us about the challenge that you experienced leading into the week because I remember speaking to you on the phone and I got off the phone going, I don't know if you're going to make it. Uh, can you tell people what actually happened that threatened this um, this race? Yeah, so a week, le- lead in, a week leading into it, uh, but a week, literally I think the Sunday before the, this race on the Saturday, uh, my my son got sick, like stomach flu, like throw, throwing up all night. And then we're like, oh, that's not good. And then next thing I knew, my daughter was sick. I can't remember who was first, but, you know, both of them got sick. And then my wife got sick. I'm like, I'm looking after the three of them, all right, for a few days. I'm like, this is not good. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, my stomach's starting to, you know, starting to, to feel like, oh. I'm, I go, this is not happening. I'm like, this is not, I'm telling my body, this is not happening. Well, obviously, the body didn't listen because it happened. All four of us were down by Tuesday or Wednesday, um, all at the same time. And then slowly and surely, one by one, they're all kind of slowly getting better. But the problem was, like, say, 
I can, I mean, I was functional, but the problem was I wasn't eating like very much because I just couldn't eat. I didn't want to eat. You're wasting away. That's and 64 so, kilos. Yeah, I was wasting. Exactly. So what I was concerned about was whether I could actually last the 12 Ks because I have no reserves now because I just burnt through them an entire week. Um, so that was a big mental challenge for me. Like, because mentally, I know a part of me was saying, I really want to do this. I don't want to let myself down, you listeners down, because <laughs> I told you guys, I committed to freaking everybody. And <laughs> um, also, you know, just to, to complete my team, right? And I'm sure they would understand if I pulled out. But I literally didn't know whether I was going to race until the Saturday morning. Because on Friday night, I was still kind of, if you know, kind of still feeling it. I was still feeling Were you nauseous. eating by Friday? I was still eat. I was eating, but I was still nauseous. I was, oh. My stomach was not, you know, ready. But I committed that I'm going to be there. I said what what I did made a decision on Friday was that you know what I'm going to show up, and then whether I decide to start, I'll figure it out when I get there. And then my chances are I'm going to start, and I just don't know if I'm going to finish that type of thing. So that was the mental attitude. I was going to show up at least be there um, physically. Obviously, my wife didn't think that was a great idea, but that was the, that was the case. And I woke up Saturday morning. and I was like, you know what, I'm feeling pretty good. I'm going to go. So uh, yeah. So last minute, my body kind of recovered just in time. In a sense, far out. Well, it's interesting, isn't it? But do you feel like it? Like you said, you said to your body, "This is not happening," and the body kind of knew what was coming up. I find this fascinating. I call it Parkinson's law physiology style, but the body knew how much time it had to recover, to get rid of everything it needed to get rid of in time. Sometimes these things are meant to be. Sometimes they're not meant to be. But it's incredible that the body did it in the time frame that you essentially established with it. Yeah, I mean, who like who knows, right? I mean, I fundamentally believe that. Like, I just you know pretty much talk to my body and say, hey, you know, you got you got three days to recover. Like, you know, mm. if you go so do it fast. If you're going to do it, do it. Do whatever you need to do, but do it fast, and so that I can do this. But it goes to show, like, put it back in real life perspective, is that we all have certain things that we um, that are goal or challenge that we want to achieve, right? Um, it doesn't have to be a physical challenge, but it could be you know some project that you're trying to complete or a task you're trying to complete or a goal you're trying to go achieve. And oftentimes, you're mentally prepared right? You're physically prepared, but at the last minute, something happens and it throws you off course. And so we got to be okay with that. You know, like, I mean, it was tough. I'm not just saying that it wasn't tough, like mentally to kind of go, I might not do this. That sucks mentally. But you know what? At the end of the day, if I really, if I looked at it properly, is that, you know what? I could, there was another race. Do you know what mm. I mean? Like there was another race around the corner. I just don't want to, I, I, I didn't want to use that as an excuse. I wanted to make sure that I was doing this, if I was going to back out, is backing out because um, it was really threatening me. Do you know what I mean? Like I wouldn't. Yeah. Put so my the, life this is interesting. This is a real. This is fascinating. So you didn't want to pull out if you were, you know, eighty percent okay. The only way you were going to pull out is if you were literally dead on the floor. Yeah, exactly. There's a, there's a point, right? The fine line. But it's so easy, though. It's so easy to go. You know what? I'm kind of scared internally, like inside. And you know what? I just, you know. You know what? Maybe I'm just not ready for it. I can I could easily have talked myself out of it. Oh, okay. So I've got to write, I've got to bring this up, right? Um, and and bear with me, listeners, because I'm not trying to talk about boring football. It's just a real life example. So there's a football coach in the AFL, Ross Lyon, whose sister died of cancer, uh, of breast cancer. And when he found out, um, it was in the middle of the day. And the very next day, he was due to give a presentation at a sponsors function, which, when you think of it, is something that when your sister passes away, you would be like, I'm going to cancel. But he decided that because he'd given his word um, that he would do it because his, his whole mantra with his team was, 
you whenever whenever you you know cross the white line, you show up no matter what's going on. The commitments that you make to your teammates or whoever it is. In your case, it was um, all of your fans, all of the followers, your team, yourself. When you make that commitment, you show up regardless. Um, everyone has a different threshold on this, and I'm curious. I, I find it interesting that you were so um, determined. Like, like you said, not that you were going to pull out if you were just, you know, that you were just a little bit short of your best. You're actually going to pull out only if you had nothing in the tank. Um, for people listening that don't feel like they can make that kind of decision, that they, they need to be cherry ripe, you know, for something like that, what would you say to people like that? Because I know for me, like, I'm, and, I, and I say I'm probably more like that, I don't like to do things when I'm feeling average. If I want to do something, I want to be 100%. Yeah, so here's here's the challenge, right? The challenge when 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 that comes about is that it it's it's about the definition of failure. Like how do you or perfection even. So it's almost like what has to be perfect for for something for everything to go right. And so but there's so many variabilities in any in any sporting event or any event. That's what we're just talking about here is that there's so many variabilities that nothing is perfect always. But if you make your, and I learned this from Jeff uh, Spencer, and he says that if you make your contingencies or your environment or any situation to be so restrictive that all these things have to be in place before something right happens, then you're kind of restricting your own ability and taking away your own talent and your yeah. ability to attribute it to the lucky charm that you have yeah. to do. It's almost like, you know, those, uh, those people who are like, I have to have my lucky water bottle or I have to have my uh, lucky underwear too or, many superstitions. Yeah, all these. Then we give power to the superstition versus yeah. giving power to our own resilient self. And the more superstitions thing we have, the less control we actually have of our life. And I, I'm hey, I'm big on superstition in the sense that when I was a kid, you know, you know, every time I go on playing, you know, swing a bat, and, uh, and I have to do a certain move or you know whatever. Like I used to do all of that, right? Thinking that that's going to be the thing. And I'm not saying that that is helpful or not helpful, but at the same time, if you become too restrictive, what happens if you know, just say you um you have to stroke a, a special stone. Every time you go into bat, right, or to do something, what if you don't have that stone that day? Yeah, does that mean you don't go up to bat, or you, is that going to be the the reason why you did, did poorly? I don't know. It just becomes psychological. It could be a negative psychological game as well. And so, the more reliant on perfection, and this is exactly what the topic we're talking about, the more reliant that we have to be perfect to do something, the less likelihood that we're actually going to go and do it. And here's the problem: is that you never, you don't learn. You never know, right? whether or not it would have been good or not. Mm -hmm. You never know if you could have done it without it. And that's the thing. And 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 I I had I built my story in my head. And it's, it's all stories, right? The story in my head was I'd rather deal with the physical ailments and pain than to deal with the consequence of not doing the not race. Doing it. Yeah. And the, of the and, regret of, of the, the regret. what ifs of the the regret was the hardest. I, yeah. The regret of not doing it and coming on the on, on this podcast to say, guys, sorry, I didn't do it. I'm sure all of you would understand. No one really cares. Like, let's face it. No one, none of you care what I did around. <laughs> no one's going to bed not going, damn you, Lawrence. Exactly. However, <laughs> however, isn't it strange, right? But you listeners are actually my accountability coach. Yeah. to do the things I say I'm going to do because that's integrity to me is very strong. Even though I don't know any of you, like, you know, I know some of you who listen to the show, but I know I don't know majority of you, but I use you guys as leverage, my leverage. And so I want you guys to take that as a lesson and go, how can you take something, even though that you might not need to have, see, the thing is you don't need to have someone you know to have accountability, right? 
I don't know most of you personally, but yet I you I literally use this podcast as an accountability for to do the things I say I'm going to do. And yeah. so that regret of not doing was very, very strong. And that's hence why I actually did it. Well, well you, you said it earlier. I wrote it down. When you were talking about the, the zip line, you said because of peer pressure, we were all going to go through with it. And mm. I wrote down there's an, empowering, there's an empowering angle to peer pressure. You know, we probably call it accountability, um, when, particularly when it's a public accountability. It's a and good think, and bad thing, right? It's a know, double-edged sword. Yeah. And so it's very important that you choose it wisely and, and you tell the story in the right peer pressure, in the right environment. Mm. And I think that's it. There's always the secret sauce often to, to getting what you want is is creating the level of accountability that works for you. And I think what we've both highlighted here is that we all have different levels of accountability that we respond to. Mm. And when you know yourself and the way that pushes your buttons, um, it's a really it's a really great um, yeah, when you know what works for you to make things happen, you go out and use it. For me it's always deadlines and yeah, and telling people. If I tell people that I'm going to put an event on and I put it out there, even if I haven't set it up, um, people will start booking in. I'm like, right, it's happening. You're doing it. Um, there's no ways to, to go, uh, I, I might do it or I should do it or I could do it. So I think there's a lot of power in your experience, LT, that you put yourself in the position where you really you could have gone back if you wanted to, but like you said, because you had so many, because uh, you didn't have you didn't have many rules, which made it easier to make the decision rather than having so many rules which a lot of people do, and as a result, nothing happens. Well, it's about committing to something and, and committing to a date. You know, say you're going to run the seminar or you're going to commit to something that you know you're going to be there. All of a sudden, you you work harder to achieve that, right? It's like mm-hmm. taking a holiday. You commit to that you're going to go on holiday or you're, you're flying out, so you better get that work done before you go. And we're usually more productive on the weeks that we're going on holiday than we are normally because there's no you know deadlines usually. So creating a deadline for yourself is probably one of the most powerful and the first thing you should do in any situation. Again, you figure out the how later. You know, most, you know, I get caught up in this as well. Like I get caught up in the how sometimes, but sometimes it's best. I know that the things I've done actually in my past um, is that when I've actually committed to something that I didn't even know what or how I'm going to do it, but committing to it, I actually just figure out the how and what along the way. And so that's really powerful. Can we do what we, what, what every other podcast does that we're involved with, but we never do. And that is talking about deadlines. Tell people when our 2016 wellness summit is. Yes, that sounds good. So we're committing to ourselves I, so that we actually have to do it, right? Yeah, absolutely. That's exactly right. So the 2016 Wellness Summit, speaking of deadlines, will be September 10 and 11, 2016, not August. The first time ever, LT, that it's not in August in Melbourne uh, at the Melbourne Convention and Exhibition Centre. And because we say this on Inside the Champions Mind, I think this is the first podcast that has released the date of the summit. It is definitely on and uh, going to be, going to be uh, our grand plans are in uh, in motion. Definitely going to be the best and biggest summit oh, ever. It's going to be amazing. The things that we're changing, and also you know the wellness breakthroughs coming up in February. Uh, that's going to be exciting too. I think you know we had a couple extra spots. So if you are excited about that, then uh, where did, where they go? Where they got to go? February five to seven. I'm just finalising the website at the moment. So I would say the the best thing to do would be to email Marcus at the Wellness Couch yeah, uh, dot com to find out more. But that is February five to seven. At the Dandenongs, very limited spots available because most of those spots were taken up at the summit. So uh, there'll be more about that coming out. But if you know that you're looking for a two-night, three-day retreat uh, with some of your favorite wellness couch personalities, LT, myself, Damo, Bredo, 
the up for Jack Girls minus Cindy. Joe Witten will be there. Kale Brock. So it's going to be an incredible weekend. Our second wellness breakthrough. Cannot wait. Mm. Well, let's uh, finish this, this podcast with um, something that, that happened at the race, and uh, and we'll sort of bring it back, to tying it everything back in together, and uh, let's, let's talk about that. So, uh, going through the race was difficult um, for me just because half, half halfway through, oh, it was actually probably quarter way through, um, I started feeling like nauseousness, so which was not good, um, but. Uh, you know, so I had to kind of stop once in a while, and and you know, anyways, we carried through. The team was there, and which is great. Then we came up to three hundred. So I, when I came to the three hundred, like, oh my god, it's like near the end. This is ridiculous. Um, I made it. Um, but I didn't realize it was not the the problem was that there wasn't wasn't many water station along the way, and because I was nauseous and I didn't drink much water either because I thought it was going to make me throw up, and so. Um, I didn't know this until afterwards, but my, since when I got to the 300, they said to me, like, this is after I finished, um, that I, my lips were so dry and my lips were so blue. <laughs> they just like, didn't think that I was going to last through the last 300 meters. Oh. So we, the team actually f- uh, stayed together the whole time, except for the last 300 meters. And we just kind of separated and just did our own thing. And the problem was halfway through the 300. Um, so I got about 150 meters left, um, I was so dehydrated, my muscles started cramping in my calves. Like I had massive calves cramps that I literally couldn't even move. Like I had to stay still. Uh, I think I was doing the wall balls or something like that. And I literally like spasmed up uh, and so badly that I thought I can't finish this. And so you can imagine the mental mind, I was going to swear, mind, mental mind <laughs> games that I was playing with myself that I'm the, I, I can't finish this. I can't move. Like I literally can't do anymore. And there's probably like at least seven more obstacles to go. I literally can't move. How am I going to do this? I'm going to have to call it a day. I'm like, but there's a part of me going, how can you call it a day? It's 150 meters left. You can't do this. Like, this is ridiculous. You can't finish. And and I just basically just waited it out. And I was just like, I have no water. I can't drink any more water. Like, there's like literally there's no water around. I'm like, I don't know how I'm going to finish this. And luckily, like my body kind of slowly kind of recovered a little bit. So I was able to do one obstacle and then it seized up again. I was like, so I'll take another five minutes just to, to stop and rest and then another obstacle and another five minutes. Like it took me forever just to do the last 300 meters, which is crazy, but it was amazing. Just that, that whole feeling of going, you're so close to the end. And how many of you have ever been there? Like you're so close to the end, but yet we just give up and just, you know, not complete it because of that. Or you decide to go, I'm not going to give up where normal circumstance you would have in any other circumstances, but because you were so close to the finish line, you're not going to give up. Mm-hmm. And so there's those little games that you can have yourself. And the, this is a perfect example. Um, and we're utilizing this as, as a platform in the Inside Champions Mind podcast is to kind of say, this is the perfect platform to understand that everything in your life that you're going through, um, no matter what you're doing, even a workout or, um, you know, something happened at work can all be dissected into um, your day-to-day life, into your day-to-day decisions and the day-to-day thought process and the day-to-day mindset that you actually have or don't have because that's where you practice. That's where you play. And it's those experiences of practice that's going to make you the stronger person. And we got to use life as the theater for us or the stage for us to kind of play out those scenarios and be okay with whatever scenario you chose. It's not like a standard play that's already written. It's that you get to rewrite that anytime you want. But the choice is up to you and you got to decide to do that. Nice. So good, LT. I'm so glad that the story had a happy ending. 
yeah, so I finished. So uh, that was that was a great thing, and I had to do some burpees there because I couldn't complete them. Uh, oh, but uh, that was fine. I, I actually rather did, did the burpees and finish that uh, and, and finish the race. And uh, yeah, so uh, I pretty much grabbed some water. I grabbed two bottles of water. And I just sat down for like ten minutes. <laughs> Didn't even find my teammates because I was just like I just couldn't move. So uh, yeah, it took me a while to recover, but it was a great it was a great uh, thing. And um, I did a video on this about. Um, you know, we got a medal and stuff for finishing, but at the end of the day, it's not the medal that counts. Like it doesn't matter. Like the medal is just a little recognition that you did, but we don't do it for the medal. That's the thing, isn't it? Like we go after this goal to say, well, I'm going to finish. I'm going to finish, but it's not the medal. It's not even the point of finishing. It's actually who you, who I became or who, what the thought process and all the challenges that I went through in my head and how I'm going to be able to tackle other things that actually has been the biggest, um, think for me and this is what i'm encouraging everybody to do is to kind of go put yourself out there and challenge yourself to something it doesn't have to be a physical challenge but put yourself out there something that's uncomfortable so that you get to learn from it that's the and and who you become because of that experience good or bad is what's going to shape you and transform you that's the thing that's going to help you become a better human being and the better version of yourself and you're never going to do it unless you test it and physical challenges are good simply because it forces you in and it puts you out of your once you get so physically tired you got to move from physical being to emotion and um spiritual being and that's the, the place where you need to dig deep but it's hard to get to unless you're physically challenged like challenged and physically sorry and that's why i think physical challenges um or experiences are are pretty powerful and that's why i put myself you know on zip lines and crazy things <laughs> even though i'm scared of heights um is because of you know the things that i have to put you know the fears that I have to face each and every single time I do something like that is because I want to know what my edge is. And uh, yeah. you learn the most when you go to the edge. Good call. Well done, LT. All right, man. So I uh, hope you guys uh, enjoy that. I uh, love to hear your feedbacks and uh, tell me what your challenges have been. I may consider doing it, maybe not, but uh, go to facebook.com slash inside champions mind, like it there and comment uh, on that uh, on this particular episode. Let us, let us know what you think. Message us uh, for this. A couple of people actually message us. So thank you so much for that. And we'll definitely add uh, those episodes into uh, you know, some future shows as well. Go to wellnesscouch.com uh, take a look at the other podcasts that are available there. Subscribe to us on iTunes. Uh, while you're there, please comment and give us a rating that we help us uh be have this podcast shown around the world this is inside champions mind a show dedicated to helping you overcome mediocrity in the pursuit of being world-class in anything you do i'm lawrence tan he's marcus pierce and see you on the next episode this has been a production of the check us out on facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash the wellness couch subscribe to each show on itunes and check us out on twitter the wellness couch streaming wellness into your lives Whilst the Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of the Wellness Couch podcasts.